taking care of business. And, of course, that business is God's business. And uh, we've looked at, uh, so far, taking care of time, taking care of treasures. And today we're going to be looking at taking care of talents. Uh, stand with me, if you would, as we read Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse number 27. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Let's pray. Father, bless our time in your word. Fill us with your spirit that we might see and hear what you want us to hear. And apply, Lord, give us hearts to uh, apply what we learn. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Taking care of business. We looked in the last couple of weeks in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where it says that God in the beginning created heaven and earth. God created everything, and therefore everything belongs to Him. King David said in Psalm 24, 1, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He owns our time. He's the creator of it. He owns our treasures. He's the one who made it. And He owns our talents. Now, we're going to use the word talent here kind of in a broad way. Talent is The things you can do. Everything you and I can do is a gift from God. Jesus said to his disciples, without me, you can do what? Nothing. And so quite literally true, if without Jesus, without God's empowerment, there is nothing you can do. Everything that you and I are capable of doing is a gift From God. Now let's take a look here in Genesis chapter 1 at the creation of Adam. Let's take a look at the head of our race here and see what God says about when he made Adam. We'll notice in verse 27 we read that God made Adam in his image. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the likeness of God made he him male and female created he them. So God created Adam. God blessed Adam, God commanded Adam, God equipped Adam, and then God provided for Adam. Let's look at this. He he was created in God's image. That means in an intellectual, moral, and spiritual matter. We have the capabilities of fellowshipping with God, worshiping God, knowing God, and living for God because God made us in His image. He did not make the animals in His image. They don't have what we have. We're not only made in His image, but He said we're made male and female. There is no Adam without Eve. 
It's just not possible. Um, when God made, in fact, he calls their name Adam. Adam's one that gave Eve her name. God never called her that. So man and woman both are made in God's image. Not only that, but after he created Adam, the first thing God did was he blessed him. Look at verse 28. It says in verse 28, and God blessed them. That's the first thing he did after he created them. God desires to bless, not to curse. You go over in the New Testament, and the first sermon that's recorded that Jesus preached is what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and it starts with a series of Beatitudes where God pronounces blessings on people. You know, God wants to bless you. Maybe some of you have a hard time getting that, but God wants to bless you. He's not against you. He's for you, and he chooses to bless Not only did uh, God bless Adam and Eve, but he commanded them in verse 28 to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth and have dominion. Now, we're going to talk about dominion next week in detail uh, because God desires to establish a kingdom on this earth. He has from the beginning planned that, but we'll talk about that later. But not only did God command them to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish, but he equipped them to do what he told them to do. He made them male and female. Folks, you cannot obey. Adam and Eve could not obey this command to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth had God not made them male and female. It is impossible for a male and a male to do that. It is impossible for a female and a female to do that. God created a heterosexual relationship that we call, and the Bible calls, marriage. And God took Adam, and not only did he equip Adam, he provided for Adam. Look at verse 29. He provided herb bearing seed and trees and fruit. He said, you're going to need to eat. Here's your food. God took care of every need Adam had when he made him, and then he placed him in a garden. Go to the next chapter, chapter 2. He placed him in verse 8. In a garden that he planted eastward in Eden. And in verse number 15, he employed Adam. He put him to work. He gave him a job to do. Genesis 2.15 says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. In other words, he was going to till the ground. He was going to hedge it about. He was going to protect it. And he was going to grow uh, uh, fruits and trees from the ground. That's the job gave, God gave Adam. And the work God gave Adam to do was kingdom work. Remember back in chapter 127, I mentioned earlier that he created man, male and female, to have dominion over his creation. That word dominion means to rule. To have authority over. To bring into subjection. God's design and plan for man from the very beginning of creation to the end of all time was to establish a kingdom upon this earth. And folks, God's plan has not changed. Now sin entered the world and death by sin and uh, there was a 
problem in the kingdom, but God himself knew that and planned for that, and he sent Jesus to come and remedy that, and that's what we're going to be talking about all next week. You need to be here next week. It might be, um, I don't know for you, but it might be the most important sermon I've ever preached. And so I hope that you'll be here because we're going to look at the importance of this kingdom that God said he is going to establish on this earth. Everything God does, he does with that kingdom in mind. He does nothing without it in mind. God made Adam and put him in that garden and made him a farmer. Now, how many of you here are farmers? Any farmers in here? We got one farmer right here. Any other farmers? Mike, you do a little farming, okay? Where, there aren't many farmers in here, but you know what? Every last one of us have need of farmers. We're blessed by them. But the point here is, you may not be a farmer. You may be a plumber. You may be a teacher. You may be a pastor. You may be all numbers of things, but Whatever you are and whatever you do, God has put you here for His purpose and for His kingdom. So now, how can I know what God has for me to do? How can I know what occupation or what gifts that God wants me to employ? What on earth am I here for? Now, those are, these are purpose questions. They're the far most important questions we could ever ask or get answers to. Those questions are, who am I? How did I get here? Why am I here? And what should I be doing? You know, those questions are far more important than most questions you ask or that others may ask of you. And I want to try to help us this morning get an answer to what should I be doing? What? How can I know what God wants for me to do? And the first thing, it's very simple, ask Him. Ask God what He wants you to do. There's only one person that can provide you with the answer to the questions, why are you here, how did you get here, what is your purpose, and what you should be doing. God alone can tell you those things. It only makes sense then to ask Him. You know, a lot of times when I can't find maybe my wallet or my keys, I'll pray. Usually sometimes after I've wasted time looking, you should pray first. And people say, well, God doesn't want to be bothered with stuff like that. Where did you learn that from? You see, God may not be all that interested in my keys, but He's interested in me. And if I'm having a hard time because I don't know where my keys are or my wallet is, then he's concerned. And you know what? I'm foolish not to ask him because of all the people in the world that knows exactly where my keys are, it's him. My wife doesn't always know where I put my keys. I could ask you and you don't know where I put my keys, but God always knows. So God knows. Now, my wife is pretty close to God, so she usually knows. But God knows exactly why you're here. And if you want to know what it is you should be doing, number one, ask him. You know, uh, on a road from Jerusalem to Damascus one day, Saul of Tarsus did just that. He asked God. He ran into Jesus that day, and upon realization that Jesus was indeed the risen Messiah... 
Saul asked him, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What wilt thou have me do? That's a question we're going to ask here today uh, before we leave. We should be on the next slide, guys. That's a question that we're going to ask here today. You're going to ask that question before you leave here today. Every one of us is going to ask the Lord what he would have us to do. Now, when Saul asked that, it was a submissive question. Notice he said, Lord. Because he realized that God has the right to tell us what to do. God has the right because he's the one who created us. He has the right to tell us, this is what I want you to do. Not only was it a submissive request, but it was inquisitive. Lord, what wilt thou? He wanted to know God's will in the matter. And it was personal. What will you have me? He didn't say, Lord, what will you have Alan to do? He didn't say, Lord, what will you have Jerry to do? He, he didn't say, Lord, what will you have my wife to do? He said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And it was an industrial question. He said, Lord, what will you have me to do? You see, God wants us to do things. Without him, we don't have the wisdom to know what to do. And so James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So God promises to give you his wisdom if you'll ask for it. He says that he will show you what you don't know if you call upon him. Jeremiah 33, 3, the Lord says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Too many people act as if God doesn't even exist or God's dead because they don't talk to him. He's alive, folks. I talked with him this morning. Did you? We are to pray and go to God and ask for things. And one of the things we're asking here is, Lord, what will you have me to do? There's no such thing as a do-nothing Christian in the Bible. So the next thing we're going to do today is we're going to ask God to show us why we're here and what he wants us to do. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you would, to bow your heads with me. And we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray silently as I pray out loud. And I want you to pray in your heart, and you can say it out loud if you choose. And I want you to pray with me as we ask God, Lord, what will you have me to do? And very, be very personal about it. Don't say, Lord, what we have us to do, what we have them to do. Pronouns are important. Lord, what will you have me to do? Pray with me. Lord. What will you have me to do? How can I best use the time, the treasures, and the talents you've entrusted to me to serve you in your kingdom? I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So you just ask God, Lord, what will you have me to do? I just ask God, Lord, what will you have me to do? So how can we know what God has for us to do? Number one, ask him. Number two, listen to him. You know, whenever we ask someone a question, the proper thing to do next 
is to listen to their response. In fact, it's rather rude to ask someone a question and then not listen to their response. And there is only one sure way to listen to God, and that is to open your Bible and read. You see, we have in our possession the words of God. Paul said in Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Christian radio station. Is that what it said, Lee? No. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by reading Christian books. Is that what it said? No. Folks, th- there's nothing necessarily wrong with reading Christian literature or listening to Christian music or Uh, listening to a podcast or sermons, but there's no guarantee that God is speaking at all through these mediums. In fact, there are Christian books, movies, music, etc., that are not biblical. There is no place on earth where we know that we're listening to God other than His Word. And folks, we need to be in the Bible. There is one place where you know God is speaking. But many Christians today spend far more time listening to what people say about God's Word rather than simply listening to God's Word. Let me ask you, are you reading the Bible? Are you reading God's Word daily? If you're not reading the Bible, you're not listening to God. If, you, if the Bible is a not a huge part of your spiritual life, then you are going to make mistakes right and left. That's exactly what Jesus said to the folks in Matthew 22. He says, you, you do err. You make your mistakes. You err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. We have to be, we ought to be, we must be, if we're going to do God's will, people of the book. It is imperative. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us everything. For example, if you need to adjust the carburetor of a 1969 Mustang, you're not going to discover that in Matthew's gospel. (laughs) It's not there. You may need to adjust a carburetor. I wish I needed to adjust a carburetor of a 69 Mustang. But I'm not going to find that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. So the Bible doesn't tell us everything we need to know in life, but it does teach us the things that matter most. And listen, we cannot expect God to show us the lesser things if we're not listening to Him in the things that matter most. If I need to know something that's not spelled out in Scripture, it's hard for me to pray and ask God for His wisdom and to show me what to do when I'm not listening to what I already know He has said. Read your Bible. Let me give you an example. God did not tell me in the Bible who I should marry. I was young. I was in my 20s. I was a Bible college graduate i was young in the ministry and i wanted a wife ben i needed a wife and i prayed and i asked god for a wife 
But when I would read my Bible, there was nothing in there that gave me her name or her phone number. <laughs> God, I want a wife. Okay, read your Bible. God, I'm asking for a wife. I'm reading my Bible. There's nothing in there telling me her name or phone number or how to get in touch with her. Listen, God will tell you what kind of person to be and what kind of person to look for in a spouse. The Bible will tell you how to marry, but not who to marry. My wife's name is not in the Bible. So if I ask God, Lord, who should I marry? And he said, well, in Leviticus chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Brett Haas should marry Kim Berry. Well, it doesn't say that. I sure am glad I married her. Been a great blessing she has in my life. But those things aren't spelled out in Scripture. The Bible tells us how to serve him, but not necessarily where to serve. In other words, the Bible tells us that we should serve humbly, gratefully, willingly, from the heart and not with eye service as men pleasers. But it doesn't say you should do that in this ministry or in that location. Those are lesser matters. The more important matters are your humility, your gratitude, your willingness, and your uh, serving from the heart and not with eye service. So how can I know where God wants me to serve? First, ask Him. God's not deaf. He can hear and He can answer. Two, listen to Him. Get in the Bible and read it. You say, but I thought you said that's not in there. No, but if you don't listen to what he, you know He's saying, He's not obligated to show you anything else. Ask, listen, and then thirdly, volunteer. Volunteer. To volunteer is to freely offer to do something. Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filling the temple, the Bible says that he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Interesting note there about the Trinity. God says he's, uh, who, who will, uh, uh, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Some people say, well, the Trinity's not in the Old Testament. There it is. And God is asking the question, who, who are we going to send to do this job? And Isaiah responds saying, here am I. Send me. He volunteered to go. He volunteered to serve. I remember back in, I think it was seventh grade. It could have been eighth grade. I was on the football team and I didn't play a lot because I was kind of small and I guess I wasn't that good or maybe the coach didn't think I was that good. But anyway, I'm sitting on the bench wanting my turn in the game and I'm not getting my turn in the game. I'm sitting next to my friend Lance who also didn't get his turn very often in the game and I nudged him one day and said, I'm going in. He said, what? I said, I'm going in. Did the coach tell you to go in? I said, nope. But I'm tired of sitting here on this bench. I'm going in. So I just got up off the bench and I ran into the football game. Tapped the kid on the shoulder. I said, I'm in for you. <laughs> Coach is yelling, who is that? Who is that? And then he realized, he goes, Hoss, what's he doing out there? And uh, I found out something that day. And the coach found out something. I found out I could do the job. He found out I could do the job. And the next game, I, I was starting. You say, how'd that happen? I volunteered. I, I said, I'm just going in. 
You know what some of you need to do? You say, well, I don't know where God wants me. Volunteer. Get in the game. You say, you know what, I'm just going to I'm gonna try something. I don't know if I'm any good at this or not, but I'll find out. You know, someone wrote, and I read this recently, and I don't remember who it was, but he said this, and I found it to be very interesting. He said, how strange it is that this God of majesty, sovereignty, and power asks for volunteers. He could easily create robots to do his work of, uh, or to command angels to carry out his will, but God wants willing, surrendered servants. Have you been waiting for God to force you to serve him? He looks for volunteers. Okay, so where do I volunteer? What do I volunteer to do? Well, number one, ask. Number two, listen. Number three, volunteer. And then this next portion I found to be very helpful. Know your shape. Know how God has created you. Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church in Southern California wrote a best-selling book titled The Purpose Driven Life. And it it was retitled later as uh, What on Earth Am I Here For? And in that book, there's a chapter called You Were Shaped for Serving God. And in that chapter, Dr. Warren utilizes an acrostic with the letters of the word shape, S-H-A-P-E, to illustrate how God individually shapes us for what he has prepared for us to do. If I were to pull out a hammer or a screwdriver and ask, which one of these tools is better, the hammer or the screwdriver? Well, the proper answer to that is, what are you trying to do? A hammer is a great tool for driving nails, not so great for turning screws. A screwdriver is a wonderful tool to have if you're trying to turn screws, but it doesn't serve well as a hammer. Now, I've used other objects than a hammer to hammer things before, and you probably have too. And sometimes it works out okay. It never works out great, but sometimes it can be disastrous. The reason a hammer is good at driving nails is somebody designed and manufactured that tool for that purpose. And the same can be said for the screwdriver. So neither the screwdriver nor the hammer is better than the other. They're just different, and they were designed differently for different purposes. This is uh, These five uh, things on the screen here, and we're not going to take time to go into them. Uh, if you've never read the book, I highly recommend it, and particularly this chapter. But you have spiritual gifts that God has given you that sets you apart from others. You have a heart or passion about certain things that other people don't have a passion for. You know, Renee down here loves to bake, and she has a passion for making cookies, and they are delicious, and she blesses people with them. I don't have that passion, and I don't have those skills. You say, well, who's better, you standing in the pulpit preaching or her uh, in, the, in the kitchen making cookies? Neither one is better. They're different. And God has shaped you. He's given you spiritual gifts, passions, abilities, things you can do, a personality, and your life's experience. And those five things are a great indicator of what God has shaped you to do. Now, I want you to look at the screen. I want you to write this down. Uh, It's a test called freeshapetest.com. And I want you to all to write that down and you go to this website 
and you will take a, uh, a shape test. This is going to involve your spiritual gifts, your passions, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences in life. And it's going to give you a very good indicator of what God has done to shape you for what He wants you to do. And when you take that test, they will email you the results of that test. I did it just so I would know that they actually followed through. And so that I could recommend it to you. And they did. And they followed through. And I read it. And I said, wow, that sounds like me. And so it's a good indicator of how God has created you and shaped you to serve. Now, when you get to the end of that test, you put in your email address. And they will email you the results of that test. And you can also put in there my email address. And they'll send that to me if you would like for me and you to sit down and go over those test results and say, where can we find a place for you to serve? Now, I hope that every one of you will do this. I hope that I get backlogged. I hope that I have to put things on hold to answer all these emails. But this is a great tool to help us to gain some insight as to who we are and what God has shaped us to do in His kingdom. Now, we have here at Main Street Baptist Church several ministries. And you can get involved in any one of them. I hope you can see this. I tried to make sure. Sarah did a great job. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, I told her, I said, I'm giving you a hard job here because I don't know that they're going to be able to read all these things on here. But these are just some of the ministries that we have going on in our church right now. And if I left one off, if I forgot one, don't shoot me. Just let me know. Okay, You you left this one out. And I would love to add that to the list. But here's the thing. There are ministries already functioning that you can be involved in. Awana Club is looking for a couple more volunteers on Wednesday night. And I know that they would love to have you come by and say, hey, where can I plug in? The choir is always open to receiving new members. In fact, we've had some new ones here lately. Uh, Let's keep adding. If you can sing, well, you're accountable for your singing voice. Use it for God. Um, Main Street Children's Center, Ruth Ann sitting right down here. You Would you turn away volunteers if they volunteered to help you? No. You have some places where you could use volunteers? Go see her right after service today and say, Ruth Ann, how can I help? You see, uh, we have all kinds of opportunities. Young adult ministry, we are just now getting started with a, a ministry for 18 to 22, 23, 24-year-olds-ish uh, And uh, we would love for you, if you're in that age range, to come be a part of it. But we'd love for you, if you're not in that age range, to help and minister. Uh, We are putting together young adults and elderly adults together. Where's Joe Vickers? There's Joe and Ryan right there. I can't keep up with this guy. Ordained into ministry in his 80s. He's 87 now, and he leaves me in his dust. He's busy serving God, and... Roy Ann and Joe are going to be hosting our first young adult ministry meeting. Yeah, give him a hand. I'm going to guess Joe's got pretty much everybody in here beat on age. 
So there's nobody that can say, well, I'm just too old for that. So I would love to have you get involved in that. So uh, email me, come see me, talk to me and say, hey, how can I get involved in young adult ministry? Wednesday meals, Ricky Sellers, where are you? Where's Ricky? There he is right there. Ricky and Vicky are uh, going to be heading up our Wednesday meals. And let me just put a plug in right now. If you're coming Wednesday night, get online today and register. You don't have to pay today. You can, but you don't have to. But you have to register today to be in the meals on Wednesday night. And you don't have to be part of Awana or choir or youth or anything else that's going on prayer meeting on Wednesday nights to come to the dinner. Just come. Sign up and come. Now, it would be a great time if you did come and eat to say, hey, maybe I should check out what's happening across the street in Iwana. Maybe I should stick my head in the rock and see what's going on in youth ministry. Maybe I'll come and, and, and go to the prayer meeting and see how, how that operates. But you don't have to be involved in any of those to come and have fellowship on Wednesday nights with uh, our Wednesday night meals. Um, praise team. Didn't they do a fantastic job this morning? Yeah. Maybe you've got some gifts that you could use to serve there. Technical team. You know, they never get any praise. They never get any recognition until they mess up. That's a tough... It's like... I used to be the long snapper on the football team. That's mean I'm the guy that would snap the ball back to the punter. And nobody ever says, wow, he did a great job of snapping that ball to the punter. That was wonderful. No, but the first time you snap it over his head or bounce it to him, oh, my goodness, everybody knows your name. And so these guys back here do a fantastic job. And we've got a young lady back there using her gifts this morning, and I thank God for them. Listen. We have places for you to serve. And if you look at that list and you can't find a ministry, start one. Listen, this isn't a, a, a list that's, that's our parameters. We can do more than that. You say, I want to start a new ministry, but I don't know how. Come see me. I'll help you. That's my job. That's one of my jobs is to assist you and help you and to uh, encourage you to be whatever God has called you to be. So let's do it. Don't just talk about it. Let's do it. And finally, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, Peter writes saying, If any man minister, let him do it. As of the ability which God gives. You see, any service we do is the ability God gives us. And he says, so that God in all things may be glorified. Listen, God has something for each one of us to do. It's important work. It's kingdom work. He's made you especially for the work He wants you to do. Do you know what your job is? I'm going to ask you this morning to come. Come to the front. Get a place here at the altar. On these steps. And ask God. Lord, what will you have me to do? We already did that once. You can do it again right here. And let's pray together. 
and ask God where he would have us or what he would have us do in taking care of his kingdom business. Would you stand with me? And as our musicians come, the praise team comes, uh, if you're able, I'm going to invite you to come forward and just get a place here. You don't have to kneel. You can stand. You can kneel if you choose. You can sit here on the front row or sit on the steps. I'm going to ask you to come and pray with us. And I want you to ask God, Lord, what will you have me to do?